Episode 354, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? What If Season 1, Episode 3. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7, and this episode actually feels like an episode of Welcome to Level 7. This feels like we're going back to our roots with uh, with movie talk and with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and with Clark, Greg, Agent Coulson. I'm Ben, Ben Whoa. Avery, and I'm here with <laughs> Sam. You just heard her <laughs> saying that. Hello. <laughs> and, yeah, and... Hey, how you doing, Samantha? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, and I'm so excited to talk about this episode because of just kind of what we get to dive into here. And before we talk about this episode, we do need to make sure that we talk about what our spoiler policy is. And basically, our spoiler policy for this podcast, Welcome to Level 7, if you're just joining us, our spoiler policy is that we spoil everything up until this point that we've already talked about on the podcast. So that means the other two what if episodes, Loki, we'll be probably talking about and maybe spoiling a little bit of that. Movies, for sure. Although the movies that we're going to spoil are probably, you know, almost 10 years old. So there's there's that for us. But uh, Agents yeah, of that, S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We may be spoiling a little bit of that as well. So uh, that's our spoiler policy. As you know, the podcast, Welcome to Level 7, started because of a trailer. There was a trailer, and we saw this trailer for the TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the very day that trailer came out, uh, Agent Dandy Daniel Butcher was out there in a field with some sports activities going on, balls were being kicked around, and kids were running around shooting goals and stuff like that, and... Maybe go. Maybe the balls are being thrown around. I don't know. I can't remember if it was lacrosse. I think it was probably lacrosse for his daughter. But anyway, kicked, thrown, whatever. Things were moving. And we got in contact with each other and we decided we're going to do this thing. And so the way we did this thing was all throughout that summer before the show premiered, we talked about the movies and we went back to the beginning, watching Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, and we did some stuff about comic books, and it was just a lot of fun, very exciting time. It was all connected with that hashtag. However, um, you know, that was a long time ago, and it's been a very long time since we've been able to talk about really new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. material. Now, this isn't an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's more along the lines with the movies, but at the same time, we have Coulson here. And Coulson has been around since the beginning, too, which is pretty cool. So here we are talking about this what if the world lost its mightiest heroes. And did you know anything about this when you started watching, Samantha? Not the comics, but I have seen the MCU movies. <laughs> did you know anything about what the, sh the this episode was going to be about? 
No. But See, was- I got just by the the title, I got I got the feeling that it was going to be a very bad week for Fury. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about the week um, because, well, that's an important part of the structure of this episode. But I was only halfway paying attention to the opening credits. And so I did see that Frank Grillo and Lake Bell were in this episode. I did not see any of the other cast. And those two were toward the end of the cast list in the opening credits. So that means I missed, and this is so important. And I'm going to almost recommend now for what if, if you watch those opening credits, put your hand up. So it covers up the bottom of your screen as you're watching those (laughs) opening credits, because that meant I didn't know Sam Jackson was in this. I didn't know Jeremy Renner was in this. I didn't know Mark Ruffalo was in this. I didn't know Tom Hiddleston was in this. I didn't know Clark Gregg was in this. I didn't know Jamie Alexander was in this. So that's Nick Fury, Hawkeye, Hulk, Loki, Coulson. Sith for like two lines. I mean, I I had no clue what we were going to be getting. And so obviously we, there were other characters that showed up. We had Tony Stark show up played by someone different. We had Black Widow show up played by someone different. Maybe we should talk about that when we get to her. Mm-hmm. Um, we had other characters show up played by other voice actors. But... I was so, so, so pleasantly surprised with this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When I first watched this episode, I was like, did Robert Johnny Jr. come back for this episode? And then I looked up that information and no. No, no, he did not. (laughs) Mick Wingert did a great job impersonating him. Great job. Like, perfect. Yeah. However... (laughs) however Lake Bell wasn't exactly the way Scarlett Johansson portrayed Black Widow however because this is an alternate universe I can accept that yeah kind of I mean kind of what what are you going to do though you know uh, Betty Ross was also in this and we'll talk about her when we get to that segment but also not played by what's Liv Tyler? her name? Liv Tyler. Yeah. Liv Tyler. Uh, and Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, but played by Alexandra Daniels. So here's one thing, though, I wanted to bring up, and I wanted to bring up lap- last episode, but I forgot. And that is a little bit about the voice acting in What If. And I'm not sure... It, this is one thing I I haven't looked to see with the production if they had people coming in or if these people are recording at home or what, but some of the performances that they're getting, even some of the people who are actually playing the character they play in live action, some of them, I didn't recognize the voice and I just didn't really feel that we were getting like their best performance it felt kind of wooden and, and that's hard. I know when you're doing voiceover or when you're doing any kind of audio, dramatic audio performance, you can sometimes 
it, it's hard if you're not playing off of someone. It is. It is. And I've had that experience. I know you've had that experience. Actually, you've you had that experience me, for me. me that, yeah. yeah, you gave <laughs> yeah. me that experience. Because I did a character for you in your audio comic book. What was it called? <laughs> uh, you were one of the randoms. And actually, yeah, you'll be getting randoms. a script in another week or two for the follow-up episodes. So. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, I had – you weren't there to direct me. I had no idea what I was doing. So I just kind of like in my head just played off what I thought it was going to sound like. And it was very different when I heard the final result. Yeah. I, I don't want to um... – I don't want to be too down on people, especially I'm not sure the circumstances of the recording, but like Jeremy Renner, I didn't recognize his voice and I just felt like it was a very, I don't know, low key performance. And, and actually speaking of low key, uh, even Tom Hiddleston in this, I, I, I just, I just wasn't feeling him and it, it just, there wasn't a liveliness to some of these characters. Now, then there's others where you have uh, Clark Gregg. I felt like he was, he was bringing it. Uh, apparently some of his material was actually ad-libbed. Uh, I, I don't know yes. how much, but some of the, some of the hair stuff I think was a little bit ad-libbed. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so I, yeah, I don't want to poo-poo anyone's performance, but I think that that might be one of the weak, weak points to this is having live action actors who are used to live action who may or may not be even playing off of an emotional performance that they can bounce it off of. And actually you saying what you did about uh, supersonic pod comics. Um, when we do record the next few episodes, we are actually thinking about finding a way to do like a live table reading and, and as many people as possible bringing them in so we can actually see each other's faces, you know, in a zoom context, but, um, we have a recording method that'll work for that. And, uh, it just will make things a little bit different because you're actually responding to a line and not responding to like your imagination of a line or someone who's doing, I don't know what they call that when you have another person reading someone else's lines. I, I can't remember the, the name of that, but like a stand in voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I, I, I'm just not sure. And there's some things about production of this episode that I did look into, especially the writing. And we'll talk about that. But one of the things I'm just not sure about is how they are doing the recording. I know that there are some things lately that they've been able to, oh, I wish I could remember what it was that they were talking about how they just do the recording from home and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's not what if, but it was something else. So, yeah, voice acting is not for everyone. I remember when the uh, the Simpsons were going to have Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny on as Mulder and Scully from the X Files, and I remember Gillian Anderson. I don't know what her recording situation was, but she was she was flat through the entire episode. Her voice was very flat. She wasn't reacting to much, and I mean it phoning it in it really felt like she was phoning it in and i and she's a, an award-winning actress from television and the stage so i thought she yeah, was going to put yeah. out a better performance and it just was not that great maybe she intentionally did that because scully is the skeptic on the x-files and so she wanted to play it like she was a little bored with this case but 
I don't know. I, I, I remember thinking that she may not have had the direction that she could have had. Well, and the X-Files, in, in her defense, the X-Files could be very flat sometimes and on purpose. Like her character yeah. was written to be unimpressed. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not super emotional about everything, uh, which meant the times when she did get super emotional, it was important. Yeah. You know, you, you took notice. Uh, yeah. And, and even then David Duchovny also would play things very, very dry, very flat. And that's where a lot of the humor came from too. Yeah. Was just that, that dry humor from him. So actually that was just his style of humor because I've read some of the scripts from the X-Files and some, a lot of the jokes that were in the series and the final cut were not in the original script or the shooting script. So he would come up with these things on, on the fly and some of them are the best moments in the series. Have you read his book? Um, actually, I guess he's done more than one. one? <laughs> uh, here's one that hasn't come out yet. Oh no, it's, it just um, came out recently, but it's called Holy Cow. <laughs> no, I have. Wow. Oh no, he's okay. So that was five years ago. That was the book that I read, but he's written a bunch of books. Yeah, I think he went to Harvard or Stanford or one of those schools as an English major. He's a writer. Well, anyway, holy cow, it was it wasn't the best novel ever, but it was very much of a piece from like a, a Douglas Adams, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of humor. Ah. Or um trying to think of who else does that kind of humor. Anyway, it's oh, about a cow who Neil goes Gaiman. on a, a journey. <laughs> yeah, sometimes no <laughs> gaming, yeah. Uh yeah. Th- this cow decides to go on a, a pilgrimage and it was kind of funny. I don't remember I don't remember being offended by anything. <laughs> but oh, and that's funny. You put in uh Dave Duchovny to look for a book and it also brings up uh Gillian Anderson's book. Yeah, not surprising. She wrote, yeah. she wrote a trilogy. Did she? The Earth End Saga. Okay. Three books long, which makes it a trilogy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I liked his writing style. I remember liking that. I, I just don't remember being too impressed by the plot, but that's because it was like a cow and some other... Uh, Animals from the barnyard just kind of going on a road trip. So <laughs> anyway, back to <laughs> what we're talking about with what if and anything else about the voice acting that you wanted to, to get out. Oh, and, and all that to say last episode, some of the voice performances were a little bit flat, but it was mm-hmm. mostly the stand-ins who like Drax, you didn't feel I didn't feel the vibe there, but Chadwick Boseman, he was great. Um, oh yeah, Thanos was good. Um, but was it Karen Gillan? Oh, Nebula. Uh, yeah. Is that how you say her last name? I think she was going for a complete. Is it Gilliam? I think. Uh, anyways, I think she was going for a completely di- different version from Nebula because. That version in, that we saw last week was vastly different. She had many different experiences compared to what we saw in the movies. It was, but I had to look her up to see if she had done, see if she was the actress on that. Yeah. The big surprise cast wise was Michael Douglas. <laughs> they, 
You know, he sounded a little different too. Did he have a, uh, I know he's had throat cancer, but he just I, didn't sound as clear and articulate as I'm accustomed to hearing from him. I don't. Yeah. And I wonder if some of that is what you were talking about with like Nebula, where we're looking at a person with a lot, a much different uh, life experience here. And maybe he's trying to play it darker or something more gravel in the throat. I don't know. I didn't know that he had dealt with throat cancer, but he uh, he's also older. Yeah. But I'm thinking like compared to the Ant-Man movies, it sounded like maybe he's had a stroke recently because he wasn't enunciating nearly as well as he usually does or as I'm accustomed to hearing from him. Yeah. So 2010, that was when throat cancer happened. Yeah. So that would have been way before Ant-Man. Oh, way before. Yes. Yeah, Ant-Man was 2015. Or maybe he was just happened to have a cold or he was tired that day. I don't know. Or maybe he's recording in his closet. (laughs) I mean, that's the one thing I've been curious about is like when they do these recordings at home, they have to be like getting a package in the mail. It's like use this computer with this microphone in this setting and... And not just like your home computer and plug in your your Blue Yeti or whatever it might be. Right. Um, which I just say that because I have this Blue Yeti in front of me, which I think I'm going to have to retire. Not sure. There's, it's been giving me a, a little bit of uh, some vo- vocal feedback here. But yeah, I, <laughs> I've just been very curious. Like, how are they doing that? They have to be getting well, a box in the mail, though, that just has all the equipment. Probably. I know a lot of actors have invested in at home recording equipment because a lot of actors have also started their own podcasts to just have something to do during the pandemic because everything was canceled for months. Yeah. Yeah. That in some ways that's really cool. And in other ways it's like, wait, this is our space. And now there's a lot (laughs) more big fish. So many more big fish. Yeah, but a lot of those a lot of those actors who did, did podcasts, it was more of a limited series podcast. Like they would guys from the show community, uh, they started a short like limited series podcast, and they would bring in their friends from the show community. Yeah, again, like I said, super yeah. cool. Like that's really really cool. But on the flip yeah. side, we have a hard enough time getting anyone to listen. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what podcasting does. It's a it's a level playing field in the sense that everyone can do it, but it's not a level playing field in the sense that everyone can do it at the same level. Right. So we're just doing our thing, keeping on doing it. We've been, like I said, we've been doing it since the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although not since the beginning of the MCU. But that's partially because I think when you just had a couple movies every year. People weren't saying, yeah, yeah, we need to do a weekly podcast about the MCU because there just wasn't so much material. But now there's so much material, (laughs) so much. And there's other podcasts that have stuck with it, too. There's some every once in a while I'll go and look and see. I don't listen to them anymore. I used to listen to almost all of them that I could. And then I was like, that's too much. And I'm comparing myself too much. And I need to stop doing that. Um, but there are some that have stuck around and are still 
still doing the MCU thing. And, and yeah, we're one of them. Yeah. Which is sometimes seems like a miracle that we're still recording about the MCU. <laughs> sometimes it seems like a miracle that we're recording at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we are, you know, I mean, better late than never on some of these things and on others. It, like, hey, this is great. Here we are. We did it on purpose and on time. Yeah. So let's talk about the writing of this episode. This okay. episode is called What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? The gimmick, of course, is that as Sam Jackson is trying to corral some of the craziness that's going on in the world that's being caused by, you know, the big green guy and um, the guy with the beautiful locks of goldy hair and uh, Tony Stark. But as he's doing this, they all die. <laughs> They're being killed one by one. And the interesting thing, as soon as it started and it said Monday, I was, I realized, oh, okay. So they're going back to Fury's big week. Now, the interesting thing about Fury's big week is that it was a comic book series that was a prelude that came out before the Avengers movie. It was a four issue series. A lot of the prelude comics recently have been just two issues long. And usually they tend to be two issues. That's just an adaptation of the previous movie. So Thor, the dark world, the prelude to that was just Thor, the movie. And here you had instead Chris Yost or Yost, uh, who was helped plot this comic book, but he was also the writer on Thor, the dark world. And actually one of the writers on uh, Thor Ragnarok and some other Marvel animation th things that were going on. He plotted this with Eric Pearson. And the idea of these prelude comics is that they are canon until they aren't canon. You know, so until something on screen shows that it didn't happen this way, these are canon. And so we actually have, uh, this was kind of cool, the Ant-Man prelude comic was actually a Michael Douglas Ant-Man adventure. And in, in, I don't know, the 80s or something like that. I can't remember exactly. It's kind of cool that they did that because you got a new story, some new stuff going on. And that's what happens with Fury's Big Week. Fury's Big Week, as a prelude to the Avengers, is the story of three movies that were all taking place in one week. And that was Iron Man 2, that was Thor, and that was The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. And we find out that it all happened in one week. If you're watching the movies and you're paying really close attention, you realize they are kind of happening really close to each other, but you're not given a timeline. But you do see in Iron Man 2, Coulson says, I got to go. And where is he going to go? Well, he's going to go to the next movie. <laughs> he's going to the next movie over. He, he has to leave and go to Thor. And the post credit is him saying, here's this hammer. Hey, and he's on the phone. And we actually see that conversation in this episode from that, that post credit. Uh, we also get a short one shot of him trying to buy donuts at a gas station that's being robbed. <laughs> and that's him on his way to the hammer. I think it's actually even called a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. And so 
you, you kind of can put these pieces together and realize, oh, these are really happening in close proximity. In fact, one movie is actually happening at the same time as another movie in, in some some cases, in some scenes. And so they did a comic book that played it out and it has um, Natasha is doing stuff in it. Coulson is doing stuff in it. Fury is doing stuff in it. And as they're running around trying to keep things all together, you're kind of seeing the background stuff that's happening behind the scenes in the movie. You know, so you you are seeing how they're picking up the uh, whatever the the giant robot uh, Asgardian robot thing. You know, you see them pick it up and you're seeing them uh, deal with the aftermath in Harlem. And you, you see these things that are kind of happening just off screen. And it's kind of neat. It's kind of cool. And then you're like, oh, so those three movies took place in one week. Interesting. <laughs> it's kind of kind of interesting. Is it one of those one coincidence too far? I guess not. I mean, you got to go run with it. But this comic book spells it out. And it's written by one of the people who was involved in the writing of actual MCU movies. And it's it's a good read. Now, if you've never seen the movies, it's not a good read. I reread it just now uh, a day or two ago. If you don't know what's going on, if you have not seen the movies, you will you will be confused. Because it is bouncing from movie to movie. You're, you need to understand the context of these scenes because you saw the movies. It's not going to prepare you to see the Avengers and be like, yeah, I know exactly what's going on. Because I think it'll be confusing for you. But this episode takes that format, takes that outline, and gives it the twist. And they did it on purpose. Like They actually said that this is a thing that they were definitely referencing it was obscure it's something hardcore fans know about but if you are only watching the movies and not paying real close attention also they're 10 years old (laughs) then uh this is the kind of thing where when you see this episode you realize oh those movies took place in the course of one week now we're seeing the week a little bit different so it's kind of cool i I like that they decided to do that yeah, I didn't, I knew, I, I don't think I had heard of that comic until, I'm pretty sure you guys have re- referenced it, and I just forgot. But I I did not know about the context of that comic book series until you guys were talking about it on our message group a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah, and the graphic novel is literally called Fury's Big Week. <laughs> That's why we bring it up and when we talk about it we talk about it that way that this is fury's big week and or fury's well, in this episode <laughs> fury's bad week yeah <laughs> so let's let's talk about this then let's talk about the plot because what's really fun about this episode is so last episode it was fun to see okay we have a noble person taking the place of someone who's a little bit of a slacker. (laughs) And what does that mean? (laughs) And what is going to change? And in the first episode, it was just plain, Hey, what if Peggy got to do this, you know? And, and that was a lot of fun for this one. What's interesting is it's kind of a murder mystery and it's revisiting a bunch of movies that we really like. And maybe a couple that we don't, (laughs) (laughs) um, so it starts out, and like I said, let's go in the order of murder victim. 
So it starts out with Tony Stark in Iron Man 2 sitting in the donut. <laughs> and Fury coming up, asking him to get out of the donut. And then he gets the injection from Romanoff to, to help him with his uh, infection that he has and the the poisoning that he has and he dies <laughs> and and this is where you know things are going to go wrong things are bad yes so that's interesting then romanoff gets put into custody because she's the one who injected the the uh well what was supposed to be um, an antidote or a helpful thing for him and killed him. But Fury gives her a mission. <laughs> you need to escape and find out who did this. And he gives her the uh, little injection thing, the needle thing. The syringe. Syringe. Well, it's, it's a, yeah, I guess it's a, just a really super high tech syringe, but he gives that to her so she can escape with that and go find out more. And this is where Frank Grillo shows up. So Frank Grillo, the one name I saw is Rumlo from well, from Winter Soldier and from from other things. But he's Crossbones. He's the guy who um, causes the event in uh, Sokovia to have them create the Sokovia Accords because he's the one who's kind of involved in that when. When uh, Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah, he was people, in the but... beginning of Civil War. Yeah, that's right, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Winter Soldier too, though, because he was oh, okay. in the he was Hydra, but he was a Shield agent, and he was in the elevator with Steve Rogers in the elevator scene, which we get a scene very similar to that. In this episode, where you have her in the truck, in the back of the truck, and uh, but he's not in with them. He's sitting in the front complaining about how, yeah, she's she's weak, and the only reason she can even get a punch in is because she surprises people. And then we find out, yes, it's true. She does surprise people, but she's also super tough. <laughs> It's, and she takes out everybody in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not just that she has the element of surprise. It's she's good at what she does. Uh, and it's a fun scene. You know, hey, can you hold these? And she hands the handcuffs to the, the guy she's sitting <laughs> next to. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, very reminiscent of the, the elevator fight in some ways, um, especially because you have I, I did go back and watch the elevator fight and then kind of compared the the two fights I was trying to see how many people in the truck were part of Rumloff's group of people in the elevator and they might have modeled some people after that but it I couldn't tell if it was an intentional thing or if it was just a diver, a diverse group of animated people in the one and a diverse group of stuntmen. <laughs> In the other who are when you watch that scene, man, that scene in the elevator, it is so intimidating. Those guys are huge. And he's like watching them and looking closely and you see like sweat dripping on their neck. But you're like, 
those guys' necks are gigantic. <laughs> These are really tough guys. And it makes for a really great scene. They're stunt people. I would not want to go against a stunt person because they're accustomed to getting hurt. Yeah. yeah. Professionally. It's their job. Well, and the scene itself, though, I think one of the best scenes in the MCU. It like is. That, yeah. that elevator scene is just fantastic. And the line is one of the best lines in the MCU when he says, before we get started, anyone want to get off? <laughs> so. Yeah, because it just, it, I mean, it just, it's supposed to be sort of like a surprise thing on Steve. And then Steve just puts it out there. I know what you're about to do. Because he's good at what he does. Yeah, yeah. He's and, he's good at what he does. But I also love the way they revisited that in Endgame. Where he knows what's going to happen and he just slides himself right out of there with a reference to the comic books. <laughs> so, yeah. next victim. Next victim. While... Natasha goes off and does her thing. The next victim is Thor. And this was interesting because uh, it was the scene where the conversation was between, if I remember, I didn't go back and revisit this, but if I remember correctly, the original conversation was between Hawkeye and Coulson. And he's, he's asking, you know, I'm starting to like this guy. <laughs> Let me, if you're going to ask me to kill him, it's not going to work because I'm starting to like this guy. Uh, and our first time we see Hawkeye, we see that he is supposed to be the greatest shot ever. He chooses his bow instead of the guns. He's supposed to be this great guy, but he ends up standing there doing nothing. And I always felt like it was a little bit of a, a poor way to introduce this character. And then the next time we see him, he's, he's under mind control with Loki and he does always kind of get the, uh, he gets the, sh the, sh the short straw in a, lo in a lot of situations. And this, he gets well, the short straw again <laughs> because... Well, the, yeah, the reason why Hawkeye didn't shoot Thor in that scene is because that was uh, his presence in that scene was actually an insert after the, the main production was done filming. Yeah, but it was also done that way. I mean, inserted in there. I, don't, I didn't know that, actually. That's really interesting. But yeah. to show it's all connected. You know, yeah. we've, we've got these characters and they're doing their things and yeah. So the twist here. And so the other thing I'm looking for is what's the Nexus event. And at, at this point, I'm thinking the Nexus event, the thing that's making this a different timeline is simply just Tony getting killed. I have no thought in my mind of the person who's killing Tony had to be planning this beforehand. And so the Nexus event would have happened before that. But for me right now, it's okay. The, the turning point is someone wanted Tony dead and did it. Well, then Hawkeye, he's going up there. He's got his bow. He's ready to shoot, but he's not. And now he's having the conversation with Fury instead of Coulson. And he's having that conversation about, can I do it? Should I do it? And then he does it. He lets the arrow fly. And even when he's not shooting on purpose, he's shooting perfectly. <laughs> he's a perfect shot and hits Thor in Thor's human form, kills him. And then you have that conversation back and forth of, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And Fury's just, well, your arrow would suggest something 
different. <laughs> yeah. So, so I also want to talk about like the conversation or Coulson's thoughts on Thor. Thor's hair. It's more than that. He says he's gorgeous. And then later on, there's a scene where we learn that his password is I heart Steve, I heart Steve. So I'm wondering, I know there was question about whether or not Coulson was bisexual in the agents of shield series and in the, in the first movies. I think so. I don't remember any of that, but it's possible because some people interpreted his fanboying of Steve Rogers as he's in love with Steve. So that turn in the series may actually be a response to that in a way. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely riffing on two things. It's definitely riffing on his fanboy obsession with Steve. And it's also riffing on the stuff from, was it Endgame, where Drax is like, he's like an angel. He's like a space angel. (laughs) I can't remember all the the specifics there, but um, because, I mean. He's a good looking guy. Let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, it cannot be denied. No. The man is, I don't know if I would use the word gorgeous. I'm trying to think of who I would even use the word gorgeous about. I guess if I was going to choose someone to use the word gorgeous, it would be someone like him. But yeah. Yeah. I would also say that Tom Hiddleston, not as Loki, but just Tom Hiddleston himself is, I would say he's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, obviously I am, was it cis normative? I can't remember the phrasing, but um, yeah, you know. But there are certain people that even if you're not attracted, you know, like that's a gorgeous person. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just you know sometimes it's just a fact; it's not an yeah. opinion. So yeah. Plus, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Chris uh, Hemsworth, he's not just pretty; he's got a great sense of humor, and he's also in, in all the inter- interviews I've seen with him, he's also extremely likable. So, yeah. Yeah. And I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about him. You know, usually there's some sort of celebrity, you know, I had a celebrity sighting with this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I haven't heard anything like that for him. No. Um, The closest I've seen is that some rumor website said that he and his wife were splitting up and then he and his wife. Uh, in response, made a short little video about, yeah, we're splitting up. And then they're clearly on vacation, very happy together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they kiss and, you know, they're, I mean, yeah. it's like, it's very obvious that, yeah, they're, they're not splitting up. <laughs> that's, that's not happening right now for sure. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He, I just remember the interviews with him and uh, man, this episode too, I'm just, I'm just drawing a, a blank on names, but uh what was her Padme? Oh, um, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I know People who you're talking at about. home know who I'm talking about. I don't know who I'm talking about. She, anyway, she's just so tiny, <laughs> and so she's sitting next to him, and his arm is like as big as her, <laughs> and they're like just this. <laughs> it's really funny to see the just the the dichotomy there going on, but. Yeah, she's anyway. she's itty bitty, and yeah, yeah. Even on screen, uh, um, even on screen together, you can tell that there's she's very tiny and he's huge. 
course. I've also wondered, I mean, between the costuming and I've heard rumors that uh, in the MCU that they may have used CGI to make people look more fit than they actually were in real life when they shot the the movie. And, and then also some, um, some camera lenses actually can make your body look slightly different too. So, I mean, I think it may be a combination of all of that. Well, but on the other, on the other side of that, you have them, the workout regime that they're doing yeah, is hard core. Now you're getting paid a lot of money and so part of the job is to get super fit. Yes. But man, I mean, it is <laughs> my workout regime right now is two miles every day. And <laughs> sometimes it's walking and sometimes it's kind of jogging a little bit, kind of, mm-hmm. but nowhere close to what they're doing. And that's hard enough for me. But man, the, the, the regime that they go through, it's crazy. It is. And they're paid to do that, which is why they look like that, because they are paid. They are given the time and the money to do it, which is why, most, also, which is why most of us don't look like that. It's because, you know, we have jobs, we have families, we have other and, things going on. And that's what's hard about this. You have to remember, I mean, the comic book is a visual medium. And so it gets built on these kind of physical ideals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as gets talked about the female form in comic books, the same is true of the male form in comic books. It's this idealized thing. The one difference is it's not necessarily sexualized as much, but it's this visual medium of the ideal human form. And when you translate it to the screen, especially now, the more we do it, you know, the, the more that they have to push that, that thing, so it's kind of funny when you look at like older movies and you see, you know, Christopher Reeve got fit. He got fit and he wanted to fill the costume. He didn't want any kind of padding and they were going to do padding for him. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. Michael Keaton. He wasn't unfit, but doesn't exactly look like, you know, a ninja master. Um, and then I don't know if you've ever seen the Justice League of America TV pilot that they did. It's a two hour pilot. And the only character that I actually recognize or remember is Martian Manhunter was played by, um, again, losing names, but, um, the guy from mash, I think David Ogden steers is his name. Okay. Um, I haven't Um, seen it. Well, he doesn't look great. (laughs) You know, it's, it's a little bit laughable. It is not, the ideal human form. Yeah. And yeah. So actually I saw a meme recently where it compared strong men to like the Mr. Universe pageants. Like, um, Oh, I have no doubt that Arnold Schwarzenegger could, you know, do some serious weightlifting, but this, well, actually I think it was more than a meme. I think it may have been an article, but they said that when you see those Mr. Universe pageants where they're showing off all those really high definition muscles, it's because they're actually at their weakest after some pretty serious workout regimes and they're extremely dehydrated and they're oiled up. So the light bounces off of their muscles in a different way. And, um, the dehydration leads to the, the high definition where you see the shape of the muscle and the veins, um, which, um, oh, I'm blanking on names too. What's his face that plays Wolverine? <laughs> 
Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah, when he did the movie Logan, and uh, I think some of the previous X Men movies, oh, especially for Logan, um, there were some scenes where he looked like that, where you can see the high definition of the muscles. But I read, read an article where he went through a like before shooting that scene, he went twenty four hours without drinking any water, which oh. that would be a bad day for me because <laughs> I have chronic migraines and I need that water several times a day or else yeah, I get sick. Yeah. And that's also that regime is part of why he was not wanting to do it anymore. Right. And, and, and not be had, Wolverine he was anymore. Cancer and, but if you compare those Mr. Universe men versus actual strong men competitors, you don't see that definition. You can tell that they're strong, but they have more of a slightly more of a dad bod look. I would say, yeah, Maybe it's because I've met a lot of Mori people, but it looks more like the Mori, the, your general Mori man who, you know, well, he looks a little overweight, but I mean, he could pick up some serious poundage and you would yeah, not want to go up against him. Look at strong men in the fifties for sure. Yeah. And people playing exactly. Hercules in the fifties. Those are men who are really, really strong playing those, you know, Hercules, Samson, whatever the, <laughs> the Italian, yeah. uh, sandal epics kind of thing. Yeah. They are actually really, really strong, but yeah, you, you're not lying. I mean, they, they've got a little bit of a paunch and yeah. they, they, they don't have the defined arms. They just have the strong arms. Yeah. And I'll be honest, some women swoon over Chris Hemsworth's muscles and his definition, but I'm like, eh, that's a little grotesque for me. <laughs> Um, I've actually seen some interviews with him when he's not in shape for the movies and he's, and he's just, you know, on break in between and he loses that definition that he does have. And he just looks like a little bit more like an average guy. I'm like, okay, that's the guy. That's the kind of shape I'm more comfortable with because that high definition of muscle. One, you're talking to someone who grew up on He-Man and She-Ra and I always thought that He-Man looked really grotesque with those muscles and that hair. And too, it's really intimidating, especially if you're a small person like I am. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, I can understand that for yeah. sure, for sure. Okay, so Thor dead because Thor. the arrow was loosed and the arrow struck true, and they put they put Hawkeye in uh, a, a holding cell. And this holding cell is the kind of thing where nobody should be able to get in. And yet as Hawkeye is sitting there, not talking, they realize when they go into, you know, Fury's going to go in and he'll talk to me. Well, no, he won't because he's dead. And he's just sitting there. He's died while he was sitting there. And yeah. So murder number three, Hawkeye. Boom done so that all takes place in the thor movie and that's kind of cool the location is fun the, this is what's fun to me about this episode is that we get to kind of remember these other movies and these locations and these times and now we move to another location that we're familiar with if you've seen this movie <laughs> and that is the incredible mm -hmm. hulk so romanoff goes to betty ross and asks for help analyzing the syringe thing to find out what is wrong because there was no poison detected in Tony's body. 
So they're going to find out. And she examines it and says, actually, there is no poison in here. This looks like uh, there is some sort of projectile that was launched from this thing. And during this time, we also find out that actually, I think Fury, she even says that the antidote was still in the syringe. Yeah, it was yeah, never it released, released anything. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where things get a little bit weird for us, though. Yeah, Edward Norton plays the Incredible Hulk, plays Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk. Natasha walks into a scene that is the time period of that movie. And as she walks into that scene, she's talking to Betty Ross, who looks a little bit like Liv Tyler. A little bit. It's the kind of thing where we may not have the likeness rights, but we're going to you know, make it so that you know who it is if you've seen the thing. You know the location if you've seen the movie. And Fury tells her, hey, whoever's doing this is getting is checking people off of my list of the Avengers initiative and guess who's left you and banner. And so she figures out because she's good at what she does, that banner is there. Banner comes out. We get a nice little reference to his conversation with her in the Avengers movie where he says, yeah, you don't want to fight. That's not going to end up good for any of us. And it's not Edward Norton. It's Mark Ruffalo. So we have Mark Ruffalo in Incredible Hulk era Hulk movie time. Speaking of alternate universes, right? Seriously, this is kind of... Yeah. It's a little bit trippy if you think about it. I did read... Um, again, I did look into some interviews with the creators of this. And they there was a joke going around that if we couldn't get Mark Ruffalo, we could just get Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> they could have, Yes. They they definitely could have done it. I don't know if, if Edward Norton would have gone for it. Uh, but the other thing was it was more a joke than anything else because I think Mark Ruffalo, when they were saying this, Mark Ruffalo had already agreed to do it. But Yeah. I just really wish that they had gotten Liv Tyler because at first I was like, wait, who is she talking to? And then she said Betty Ross. I was like, oh, okay. I know who this is supposed to be now. But just getting the artist or the, the, not the artist, but the actor doesn't mean we're going to recognize them. I mean, right. I've, uh, in fact, I thought Hawkeye, I did think that Hawkeye was not actually Jeremy Renner at first. Again, I missed the credits at the beginning, which is good because I didn't know what characters we were going to be visiting here in this episode. And there's a lot, but yeah, I, I don't know if, if, I don't know what Liv Taylor's up to or Liv Tyler is up to these days. I don't know what kind of a budget you know you need to have yeah. to get her in. Uh, I'd rather they get Michael Douglas. You True. Know. Yeah. Um, I do know she's on a couple television series for like, you know, the, the, uh, like the stars HBO max level television series. I'm not sure which one she's on right now, but I, I did look it up a few days ago. She, I mean, and she's a, I know she's taken a big step back in the past 20 years with her acting because she became a mom and I, I don't blame her. She, if she wanted to be at home, she had the budget to do it because she, she was at that time, she was living off of the royalties from uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, she was in Ad Astra though. I saw that. That was good. Yeah. Um, nine one one Lone Star is 2020 that she was in. Oh, Okay. 
and she's in a movie or something called Awaken, but she it says that she's playing herself. I I don't know about that. As the storyteller. I don't know anything about that either, but just that is kind of intriguing. Awaken 2021. Hmm. Herself. Storyteller. That's the note. So, yeah. So we're here in the movie and we're in the scene where General Ross comes to take down Hulk. Now, they don't release Blonsky because they don't need to. And so I'm curious what's going on with Blonsky in this scene. If I remember correctly, maybe I'm wrong. I don't, maybe they didn't have Blonsky in this, but I'm pretty sure. I don't think I'm wrong. I do want to rewatch this movie. The problem is this is not on Disney+. Plus. This is one of the few MCU movies that were early on and they were being distributed by other people. And so this is still in Universal's... Uh, library, I guess. I, I don't know. And so I, I, I have it on DVD somewhere, but as I've mentioned before, we've moved. And so it's somewhere what box it's in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's somewhere. So I do want to watch it. This is one of the few MCU movies that my kids haven't seen. And so I am excited to watch it with them and let them, you know, be confused about the, <laughs> the actor playing uh, Bruce Banner. Cause they like, current MCU, you know, Mark Ruffalo, he's fantastic. And so to see someone else playing the part might be a little, a little odd for them. Yeah. But so I know Mark Ruffalo is not supposed to have his own Hulk movie, but now that I've seen him over several, I really wish that they, he could have his own standalone Hulk movie and especially to cover how he became professor, professor Hulk. Yeah, I, I know Stuart also is curious about that as well, and it is kind of glossed over. I don't mind it, but anything we get to see Mark Ruffalo in, yeah, is exciting. So he's in She-Hulk. Uh, he'll—I'm okay. not sure how how much of a recurring role he's going to have in it, but he is going to be in the She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. So we will be getting more of him. Good. And yeah. still having my fingers crossed that uh, Charlie Cox will be there as uh, Daredevil. I, we'll I'm see. Not, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not. I'm not going to keep my hopes up, but it's just you know, just kind of like I just hope he's there, or I hope he shows up somehow. But yeah, and I keep seeing rumors that he may show up in the um, the next Spider-Man movie. I don't know about that, but maybe. Which both of those would be really cool. It would be. It, it would and, be fantastic. And it would bring in this kind of unique cohesion. It makes sense. And in fact, people say in the trailer that, that you actually get to see Charlie Cox's arm in the trailer. I saw that. Because someone's like leaning on a desk. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, no, that that's no, not no. his arm. That's that's the person. That's somebody else. It could else. be. It, it could be. Mm, but We'll see. I think it's more for people who are saying that it's more uh, wishful thinking than it is the actual thing. So anyway, uh, Hulk gets killed because he, and this is kind of a body horror thing going on here, but he just kind of balloons up and explodes. And uh, this is where that was kind of hard to watch. It was, but this is where it gets a little bit like, how is it so easy? 
for them to all be killed. Now, part of how it's easy is because none of them are expecting it. Yes. And so that makes it a little bit easier. Thor is basically human. You know, he, he's had his powers stripped away. So he's basically human Hulk though. The problem with Hulk is that he is, you know, indestructible. And so how do you kill him? And so this is, this is probably the weakest of the murders is, is killing Hulk in this way. I would have been more likely to go along if he had been killed in that way as a human rather than as a, as the Hulk, but it is what it is. We have a half an hour. We need to kill off (laughs) six really skilled and powerful people. Well, (laughs) if you think about it, Bruce did mention, I think in the first Avengers movie that he tried to take himself out and the other guy showed up. Right. So you you can't just kill him. So the only other extreme uh, to, instead of taking him out when he's at his quote unquote weakest is to take him out when he's at his strongest and then, um, over overwork, whatever that reaction is that turns him into the Hulk and then, you know, take it that to it is extreme. And then, you know, you saw what happened. Yeah. Here's the other thing with that though, is, you know, there, my answer to the question, who would win in a fight, Batman or Superman? My answer is very, very simple. The person who win in the fight is determined by who's writing the fight. And whoever wants it to be Batman who wins, they're going to find a way to write it so Batman can win. And if they want Superman to win, they're going to write it so Superman can win. And so if I'm going to write that battle between Batman and Superman, Superman's going to win because that's what I see happening. And so that's the story I'm going to write. And that's what's going to make sense to me as a writer. But if someone else was like, no, Batman would win, they would write it and make it so that here's what Batman would do to defeat Superman. And I may not be on board 100%, but if they tell a good story, okay, cool. And that's the same kind of thing here. I'm not on board 100% with how they killed the Hulk, but that's what the story needed to do. And they had to find a way to do it. And that's what they, that's what they imagined. That's what they came up with. And and that's the other thing you have to remember is this is all imagined entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is not a matter of, okay, who would win in a fight, this tank or this polar bear, you know, like obviously you could write the story. So the polar bear would win, but that tank's probably going to win. And in, in real life, there's, there's laws and rules and there's things that you just can't get around as far as like how strong something is and, and how powerful the, another thing is. Well, they needed Hulk to die. And so we had to take him out somehow. So they yeah. did. Yeah. But you also, this, at this point when I was watching this episode for the first time, I thought, okay, who can be invisible? who is really strong, who can um, uh, make things happen without other people realizing it. I was not thinking about anybody in the Ant-Man corner corner at all. I was thinking about someone in the Ant-Man corner. Oh, okay. We'll We'll talk about that (laughs) later, but no, well, I I was wrong. I was wrong. But it was in the Ant-Man corner. So I'm sorry. Continue. But 
Yeah, at this point when the Hulk died, I was like, okay, this is somebody who also understands chemistry and genetics and biology. So I was like, this is somebody who's really, really smart. Because at, at, at one point I thought maybe it's Loki and then Loki came in. Right, and, which we need to talk yeah. about that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was, I was like racking my brain. I was like, who could it be? <laughs> it makes no sense. So I thought it was Ghost from Ant-Man um, and the Wasp. Uh, she would have had reason to be angry at S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, like she, she had reason to. Yeah. And she could turn invisible. And so that's where... And, and this is what's good about a mystery is um, in a mystery, you want to have like the ability for the viewer to be a part of the solving of the mystery. And you can only do it based on what information you give. And the information we were given is the MCU. <laughs> and so you, you were just talking about like turn invisible or was not seen or whatever. And that's why I went to... Uh, to ghost and then you have black widow contact fury and say it's all about hope and and that that kind of gave it away ah yeah as i was sitting there thinking okay who do we know that's named hope because there's 20 plus movies i can't keep them all in my head at once now when she said it's all about hope i did think it was hope herself it not that it was um Uh. hank yeah. I, I I was like, oh, it's hope. Oh, interesting. I what's going on here? You know, but yeah. And then it turns out to be Hank. And this is where we find out what the Nexus event is in this. And the Nexus oh, event oh, in oh. this Before we move on, when she said okay. it's all yeah. about hope, in my original watch, I, I was thinking Hope from Agents of Shield, the little girl that um, oh, I can't remember his name. Turtle Man, his daughter. Because <laughs> her name was Hope, too. Yeah, I did think about her. And then there was also, I believe there's a character named Hulk, Hulk called, uh, named Hope in uh, Jessica Jones, too. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So that's three hopes in the MCU. Yeah. But, yeah, so... I'm sorry, go ahead. This is where we find out then what the Nexus event is. And the Nexus event is that Hope joins S.H.I.E.L.D. And not only does she join S.H.I.E.L.D., but she goes on a mission to Odessa. This is a mission where Winter Soldier, This we find out about this in the Winter Soldier, Natasha had a a brush with winter soldier. He attacked her on this mission and that's where she got one of her scars was he actually got a shot in and got her. Apparently hope was sent on that mission instead of Natasha. Oh dear. And that's where, you know, uh, Hank Michael Douglas is confronting fury about the mission to Odessa And that's when they lost hope. And it is quite possible that the Nexus event here is Winter Soldier killed hope. It's possible. I don't know. 
they don't say it outright, but they do drop, you know, the, the name of Odessa. Makes sense. And so that mission to Odessa that, that Natasha went on was actually Hope's mission. And this is where Hank is so upset. So we do have a little bit of Winter Soldier folded in. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, the revelation that um, Bucky killed uh, Tony's parents was a huge turning point in that movie. And so we have a very similar story here where yeah, Bucky killed somebody else's family member and that changed their lives completely. It is very emotionally true. Like, I like where they go with this. And that's the danger of any murder mystery or any mystery really, but especially the murder mystery is the motive and the actual murderer. Like those two things you've got to have a really good handle on so that it makes sense that they did what they did. And it also makes sense that it was that person who did it. And it's not like, I hate it when you're doing, when there's a mystery and you find out who did it and it's because there's a big piece of information that you don't know. And that once you know it, you're like, Oh, well then it makes, you know, it's not even a mystery because we know this one piece of information here. And this comes close because, well, it it comes close because we don't know what happened to hope, but it avoids it because black widow in her investigation discovers it. And so she says, it's all about hope. It's all about hope gives that clue to fury. And then fury is able to figure out, Oh, I, if I'm going to go up against whoever this, this is, I better enlist some help. And he's thinking about bringing in (laughs) captain Marvel, but instead we get the final fight scene where you think it's fury. And, and (laughs) He does this impossible flip and it's just, oh, well, that's not Fury. Who is it? Oh, it's Loki. It's clearly as soon Loki. As, <laughs> as soon as there's multiples of him, you're like, oh, it's definitely Loki. Nice yeah. twist. Nice twist. It's clever. Unfortunately, it is a deal with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we can launch into Loki at this point because... When he comes to Earth he in, and introduces himself to Fury, he introduces himself as as uh, the was the king not king of Asgard the king of um was it Laufey's people? What are the they called? Ice giants. Yeah, the ice giants. So I'm like, okay, does he ha, like? So, I was like, okay, yeah. so, I mean, there's something a little bit different in that storyline, too. I mean, did he understand where what his origins really were better than what we saw in the movies? I, okay, so if we take this at face value, where the thing that's different is hope. I think everything that happened in the movie, in, in Thor... Mm-hmm. happens as it happens in the movie and then Thor gets killed. And so then okay. that's where in my mind, that's where Loki changes his tactic 
I'm imagining behind the scenes, he's talking to Odin and saying, Odin, give me an army. Because he shows up and he's got the, the Warriors 3. He's got Sif with him. And it's, you know, it's it's Asgard's greatest. It's Asgard's best. And they show up and they are ready to take down the Earth. They're going to just destroy Earth in revenge. And then Fury's like, no, no, no. Let us find the person who did this. And... And then he brings Loki in to help him take down the person who did this, which is all fine and dandy, except it opens the door and Loki's just like, I got one more thing I'm going to do while I'm here. <laughs> and then he literally takes over the planet, which yeah. is just, first of all, surprising. It happens over the, you know, an evening. So we go from Thursday to Friday, I believe. And, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's our episode. Now it's not all of it, and so the tag is kind of fun. So first we think that the whole Loki thing is the tag, and then we find out, and we get the line where Fury's looking at someone buried in ice and says, "Captain, it's good to have you here." And then you're like, "Oh, is he talking to Captain America?" Nope, <laughs> he's talking to Captain Marvel too. And he's still going to have an Avengers team. Yeah. Well, she's an Avengers team all by herself. She is. Yeah. Now, how does that work with her versus Asgardians? You know, an army of, of gods, basically. I mean, they're well, not all Thor, but. She can take on Kree. Well, she took on. You know, yeah. I mean, again, she can, she's she, gonna, can she can take on whoever we need her to take an on. Pack. Yeah. <laughs> She's tough. She almost took down Thanos by herself. Actually, she she may have been able to at that point. Well, yeah, she almost took down Thanos by herself. Bottom line being, this is a clever twist with Loki just taking over and then a nice hopeful tag. Yeah. All three of these episodes have been setting up like this could be the next story in this universe. Yeah. And the next story in this universe could very well have been if, if we stick around in this universe could very well be Captain Marvel, Captain America, Coulson, Fury. That's the other big thing in this episode that's really interesting about this universe now. Coulson didn't die. Loki didn't kill him. Because the Avengers, as a movie, never happened. Yes. Now, the other thing I'm curious about is what is Loki's relationship to Thanos at this point? Well, he doesn't have one because he hasn't been like he didn't fall off the bridge and and land with with Thanos or whatever but yeah this is it's an interesting universe they set up and if they come back to it there's some really cool stuff they could do with it yeah and it seems like fury was ready to wake up uh steve too so yeah. Steve Rogers so, and Captain Marvel or Captain America and Captain Marvel. That could be interesting, too. So finding Captain America was a part of Fury's big week. 
Yeah. And it was a part of what they were doing in his big week is they were looking for him. They were on the, they were really close to finding him. And so like all these things, what they did with this episode to me that I really appreciate as a writer and as someone who likes the writing process, they took all these elements that was already connected, you know, so you already have the connections between them. And now it's, it's like, okay, we have this web here. And what happens if we take this web and twist both sides a little bit and we get to see the threads move and we get to pull our own threads now. And I really, that's, that's why I say I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about this series is that you can take the same characters and similar situations and just really mix things up and make, you know, make a new story out of what we already have. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have anything else in your notes? Mm, Let's see. Thor appeals to everyone like, uh, Dr. Who's Captain Jack Harkness. Um, cause it seems like all the boys and the girls were attracted to him. Um, and that made me laugh. I think that's the only other thing we didn't cover. Was what? Was just, I, I thought that it seemed like everybody really liked Thor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, one thing we didn't talk about and we haven't talked about is on Disney plus all hail the King. The oh, yes. Marvel one shot is on there, which is because of Shang-Chi, you know, and, and the whole connection to the 10 rings that we have I mean, Trevor, but it would have been really nice for them to release the funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer one shot to go along with this episode of what if. Yeah. And it's not as if they couldn't do it, but I think they didn't want to distract from Shang-Chi's promotions. Yeah, you're probably right, but yeah. just because you're right doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You said that I like it. I, I really would like them for them to have all of those shorts in one little package um, on D+. That would be very, very helpful. It'd be very, very cool. Yeah. And also, you know, I don't know, something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although I, they might not be able to have that on... Disney plus because it is on Netflix, but still same with incredible Hulk. I want incredible Hulk on Disney plus just because I want it in a easy place for me to stream. Now I haven't looked to see actually if it's on Hulu or Peacock. So I might do that as well, but I can look it up later, but yeah, I mean, that's another good question. Is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Hulu? Because... It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I know that. But it could also be on Hulu unless Netflix has an exclusive contract with them right now over that one series. Yeah, that's what I'm not sure about. Is 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 that the reason that it's not on Disney Plus? It may be. That's the only reason I can think of. Because Disney now owns most of Hulu and... It has total control over Disney Plus. So. So I did look on Hulu. It is not on Hulu. I'm looking on Peacock. 
it is not on Peacock, but that's different than the NBC app, which I thought I had here, but I don't have readily available. So, hold on. Again, looking for the Incredible Hulk movie. I can look for it. Because I have a special app that looks across multiple apps. So hold on. Okay, let's let's keep talking while this pulls up. Well, it's rentable, so I might I might just rent. It's it's uh basically anywhere you go, it's gonna be three ninety nine. So it's on YouTube, it's on Amazon Prime, it's on Apple TV, and it's gonna be three ninety nine. Let's see. So, do I pay three ninety nine for the privilege of not having to mess with finding that disc? <laughs> well, I've done it before. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So, hey, we do have one bit of feedback from uh, 084. And the title or the subject line is What If Episode 103. And he says, the idea of Fury's Big Week makes that awkward middle part of Phase 1 much better, in my opinion. Turning that on its head with a murder mystery... And sprinkling in elements from later phases and comic moments made this episode exactly my cup of tea until next time. And I'm inclined to 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 go with that. I really I was pleasantly surprised the whole time I was watching this episode. I was just thinking, oh, it's fun. Oh, Clark Gregg. Oh, it, it just even the bridge the the not the San Francisco bridge where they did the the final fight in the in the graveyard there but the uh the university bridge uh you know i've seen incredible hulk a number of times partially because it was one of the few movies that we had you know 10 years ago and so i did a repeat view on on that movie because it was decent. It wasn't the greatest, but it was decent. And so just when that moment happened and we're in that spot in the university, in the, in the um, open grass area, and the trucks pull up and everything, yeah. Is it the greatest MCU movie? Absolutely not. It's not. I think it's in the running for like the bottom five, which I'd have to make a list, but. Didn't you have a list at some point? At some point. And, and I might still have it somewhere. <laughs> I have to look and see. Uh, I can check on Letterboxd, but... Uh, I think it is on Letterboxd. I the, seem to recall this conversation. Let's see here. So, uh, yeah, in Letterboxd, I do have lists. I have Ocean's movies ranked. The Ocean's Eleven franchise. DC Extended Universe ranking. Bill and Ted movies ranked. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's movies ranked. X-Men Universe ranking. My definitive ranking of the Captain Marvel movies of 2019, because Shazam's real name was Captain Marvel. I don't think I did. Oh, here here it is. Ranking the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And number one. Okay, so this has been a while. There's I probably need to update this. Number one is Captain America Winter Soldier. Number two, Black Panther. Number three, Doctor Strange. Let's look at the bottom. Okay, so my bottom, oh wow, my bottom five are Thor, Iron Man, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, and The Incredible Hulk. That's like almost all of Phase 1 plus Dark World. Because what else is there from Phase 1? Avengers, eh, where, oh, that's number 12. 
And Captain America, the first Avenger, is number seven for me. Winter Soldier still stands up, man, against everything else that's out there now. It still stands up. I mean, if it's not the best one, it's it's now slotted second. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though, like just because Incredible Hulk is last for me doesn't mean it's it's a terrible movie. It's like like I say, you know, not everyone's going to agree with me, but you probably have a band like this where uh, a bad U2 song, in my opinion, is better than so much. Oh, yeah. Other music, you know, like a bad U2 song for me is still something I want to listen to. And the same here. My kids have not seen. And so this is this kind of wouldn't surprise anyone. My kids have not seen The Incredible Hulk and they have not seen Thor The Dark World. So and it just hasn't been an urgent thing because, hey, (laughs) it's number 20, and number 18 at that time. We have to figure out where does Black Widow go? Where does Endgame? Endgame's not even on here. Infinity War is, but Endgame is not. And Infinity War is actually number four. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, that's a fantastic movie. You know, man, that's so good. Um, I so good. rewatched Endgame a few weeks ago and I was like, man, the first half hour of this movie, everybody has a huge character arc. And no one won awards over this because it's a sci-fi, you know, status, uh, categorized movie. I mean, it may have won some Saturn awards, but like for the uh, major award ceremonies, no acting nominations. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I have issues with that. I, I think science fiction is overlooked more often than, than not when it comes to the major awards. It is, but I don't think there's as much of a conspiracy as some people might say, I think part of it is just the Academy, the pool of voters. Those movies just aren't their movies. They just aren't the things that they look to. They look at them as entertainment, maybe, and maybe they enjoy them as entertainment and they definitely know that their family enjoys it. Their kids enjoy it. But the Academy has always had a problem of just looking at here's the movies we're interested in because here's the movies we're interested in. And it's an echo chamber, you know? And and so you have people making movies. That's like, I'm making this movie to win an Academy award. Yeah. Thank you very much. (laughs) And it, and it works, you know, but that's where you have with what's nice about the Academy awards is that it's not the only awards out there true and so you have the whatever the movie reviewer journalism award is you have the you have the razzies you have uh, the saturn awards you know you you have people in their niche doing the different things as well but you're never going to get a perfect sampling of yeah and the general population This year, I I read recently that this year the Emmy Awards is going to have an award for best stunt performance. So they're going to recognize uh, the stunt um, actors, which is – that's really good because, yeah, a lot of those – That's really good that they're going to do that. uh, The stunt doubles, they're – I have heard that there are movies where they're credited, but when it comes to promoting the movie – those doubles are completely ignored and never mentioned. 
and actors will say, oh, I did the sequence all by myself. And when in fact they lied or it was embellished in a different way than it actually was, which happens a lot during promotions. So, yeah, I think they, they do need recognition, especially since, I mean, there are so many movies, not often, but every once in a while you will hear about an accident on a movie set and a stunt person died. I mean, they literally put their lives on the line for entertainment's sake, and they do need that recognition, and they put a lot of hard work into it, and so they definitely deserve, I mean, it's, it's a long time coming for them to get recognition on the Emmy level, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I wish they would have had that when we had some of the really incredible stunt work happening in Daredevil. And Jessica Jones and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really uh, had to up their game when Daredevil started doing the hallway scenes, you know, and and it just, we had, okay, so they're doing that over there. Wow. And people really are expecting that now. Wow. Okay. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. So. All those hallway scenes. Hey, I think we need to close this down. So do you have any other notes? Um, yeah, I would actually like to thank 084 for writing in, and I would also like to, and he's also a Patreon patron, so thank you there, and I would also like to thank our other patrons, Jeffrey Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, Julie, and Andrew. Thank you all so very much. Yes, I also want to thank you, and hope you enjoy the pre-release, unedited, raw version of of the podcast when we say it's the raw version of the podcast that means you get to hear unedited samantha's potty mouth i mean we have to bleep her out so much (laughs) here but it's raw you know i mean she is it's it's eddie murphy level of raw that that samantha brings i am of course lying (laughs) (laughs) i am of course lying but uh we do release the episode early for patreon patrons just gets it out there without any editing. And then uh, Samantha does take the raw recording and, and she's our, our uh, primary editor right now. And so she takes that episode and, and pulls it together, cleans it up. And that's when we put it out for you, our, our listeners. And we, we appreciate you listening as well. And so even if you can't be a Patreon patron, uh, we just want to thank you so much for listening and also say, you know, Hey, while you're watching these, what if episodes and talking about these, what if episodes with your fellow fans and friends, uh, you know, if you can't support us on Patreon, one, one thing you could do is just drop, drop a, a little, uh, little mention, you know, just say, Hey, uh, there's a podcast out there. It's called, it's called welcome to level seven. We use the hashtag. It's all connected. You can maybe find us using that hashtag. We use the hashtag MCU, use the hashtag. What if, and sometimes not often, but sometimes we use the hashtag Steve, 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 I heart Steve 0704. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. 
can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on twitter where we're level seven pod and remember the seven is spelled out our theme music is the light fantastic by js earls and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx learn how to podcast get productive in your personal and professional life theorize over tv shows laugh with our clean comedy delve into science fiction and philosophy learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx and once again thanks for listening <laughs> or our favorite hashtag hashtag save it for the show <laughs> yeah. but that's True. just between you me and Stuart. <laughs> yeah because often we're like oh, oh yeah. we're so excited to talk about this oh wait we should save this for the show <laughs> and i had a hard time figuring out like why is it 0704 and then realize birthday well it's it's july 4th yeah, which is yeah. appropriate yeah. for Captain America's birthday. Yeah. And the other thing we didn't talk about, but it's post-credit. We're going to talk about the Spider-Man trailer in just a moment. But the other thing we didn't talk about was they did reference Alexander Pierce a couple different times. So that's, again, going back oh, to Winter Soldier, uh, who Alexander Pierce was wanting to see Romanoff, I believe. And he's working for Hydra, you know, and so like the that's another just behind everything in this episode is just the knowledge that fury doesn't know it. Coulson doesn't know it, but we know that everything happening in shield right now in this episode was Hydra. Hydra is behind a lot of it. And Hydra knows what's going on with what Fury's doing. And, and Pierce is, is behind it, helping him. And they reference Maria Hill as well. So when yeah. she's looking at the files to find out, you know, about hope, she's looking at Colson's file, Fury's file, Janet Van Dyne's file, Maria, Maria Hill, and then Alexander Pierce. So, yeah, but this is post credit. Now we're here to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Yay. The trailer. <laughs> the trailer. Are you excited about this movie? I'm excited about this movie. Yeah, so I'm a little bit disappointed in the trailer in the best way possible. I'm disappointed that they didn't show us things we were hoping to see. And why is that the best way possible that I'm disappointed? They didn't show us things that we were hoping to see, so they saved it for the movie. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. And, of course, there's all the buzz. All the buzz about this and that and the other thing. They're pulling in the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. Are they going to bring in Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire? We don't know. But are they bringing in some of their villains? Well, this trailer, there's reference to electricity. There's reference to sand. There's reference to, well, there's not just reference bomb. to, they show <laughs> and a, a goblin bomb. And, and they show Dr... Otto Octavius. And we, yeah, and we heard Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin cackle, which I have seen uh, um, interviews with him after he did the Spider-Man movies where he's like, yeah, I would love to do, to do Green Goblin again. So I'm sure that when they came to him, he's like, oh yeah, I'm totally on board. You know, just pay me a dollar. I will be there. And there's a so. lot of people who are very confident that when, uh, Dr. Octopus is saying, hello, Peter. He's talking to 
Tobey Maguire. And, and that might be, it just might be, uh, it also might be that as Tom Holland is going to different universes, he's visiting other universes that have other Peter Parker's played by Tom Holland. Yes. Which we like, saw that me, in the Loki series. Yeah, it, to me, it's a it, that's a logical way to go. You know, you could do it either way. But one thing that's always bothered me about multiverse things is when they change the character so much for this other universe, and you want to change the character a lot. Well, change the actor who plays the character, yeah. and, and okay, all right, you know. Let's make it happen. You know, if they bring them in, I'm there. I'm so excited about that. If they don't, I'm not going to feel cheated because there's a lot of fan expectation about this movie. And this trailer definitely is playing into some of the hype, but man, the hype train on this just created by fans alone, they can't win. If they don't have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this movie, you're going to have some very, very disappointed fans. And that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Unless they have a really solid script with some really fantastic, amazing, wonderful, original ideas that are even bigger than Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And I would not be surprised if we see that because... We've experienced that in the past, what, 10, 15 years with the MCU already. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very excited for what they're going to do uh, with this I movie. I do. And, and, and part of me wants to bring up the idea that what if it's just Tom Holland in these different things? Because there's a picture of Tom Holland where he's from the trailer where he's wearing the same outfit that Tobey Maguire wore in Spider-Man three. Now I didn't, I'm not picking that out. I'm not looking at this and saying, Oh, that's the same outfit someone else did. And that's what makes me wonder, Oh, could it be that we're going to see Tom Holland's Peter Parker in a multiverse with these other bad guy actors? Yeah. But I, I can absolutely. and, And then you get some interesting concepts there where because it's the same actor, it's the same face, it's the same Peter Parker, except for multiverse. These uh, these villain characters deciding, hey, let's team up and kill them. <laughs> you know, let's get them all or something like that. And so, yes, in the MCU, there's no Green Goblin, there's no Dr. Octopus, there's no Electro, there's no Sandman. But they want to get after him because they have their own Peter Parker who looks just like him and they're just teaming up to go after them all. That's there's some interesting possibilities there. And and part of the reason why I want to bring that up is just to almost say, Hey, get ready to be disappointed (laughs) and, and be ready to not actually be ready to not be disappointed. Get ready to say, I'm going to go where they are taking us because the whole Evan Peters thing I, yeah, there are people who are just, that was so stupid. That was the stupidest thing ever. They should have never done that. That was cheap. It was stupid. I personally, and this tells you a lot about my personality. I think it's fantastic. I think it's really funny. I think that they knew what they were getting into. They did it anyway. And I love it. 
but I also know there's a lot of people who don't and who just like were so angry that it wasn't Quicksilver from the X-Men. I came to accept that he was not Quicksilver. <laughs> and I think it's because you kept saying all along, oh, it's not him, it's not him. And you know what? You were right in the end. And you won that 2450 or 2475 that I gave you. <laughs> not yeah, imaginary money, yeah. but but yeah, imaginary but money that money. I won nonetheless. I mean, I won it, and so yes. it's not. It, it doesn't exist. It's not real, but that doesn't make it any less precious. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I and and because fan expectations, and we've all lived through this, where we expect one thing, we're hoping for one thing, and we get a sequel to a book. This has happened to me with with some books that I was reading. I'm like, uh, well, Dune actually. Uh, now I wasn't waiting for the sequels, but when I'm reading through all the Dune the Dune sequels, I'm just like, each one is more and more disappointing because of the how brilliant the first one is. Doesn't mean they're bad novels. They're just they're not living up to the original. And episode one, two, and three, we we lived through that where we have expectation. And then it doesn't meet our expectation because it's not our vision behind the movie. It's someone else's. And that's what happened with Evan Peters. It wasn't our fan vision of Evan Peters. It was something else that I still think was, it was clever. I, they trolled, they trolled the fan base, you know, (laughs) they they got some of us and And they said up front, this is stunt casting. And yeah. a lot of people, including myself, overlooked it. That one line. So, so yeah. So I anyway, am disappointed in, is in who that character was in the end. I was really disappointed in that. I think they could have done a lot of different, you know, backstories for that character. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, maybe there will be more. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But uh, back There's to this trailer. Yeah, there's one more thing about this trailer I really want to talk about, and that's the hidden villain that we see in the trailer. The hidden villain. The hidden villain. I don't think that's Doctor Strange. I think that's somebody else pretending to be Doctor Strange. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Because I don't think he would be... It seems like in the trailer, at least, and that's because of the editing when we see the full movie that I'm sure it will be a little bit different, but it seems like Stephen Strange was very quick to do that spell for Peter. And that doesn't seem like something that the Stephen Strange we know would do. So this movie seems to be riffing on the one more day. I think it was called one more day and it's a, uh, probably we're going back 15 years, maybe not quite that long, maybe just 10, but that's where Peter Parker makes a deal with Mephisto to save Aunt May. And what he has to do is he has to give up his relationship with Mary Jane. And so Aunt May got hurt. If I remember the details correctly and you know, listeners, you can correct me and, and, and we'll, we'll read it in the next episode. If I remember the details correctly, though, Peter Parker's aunt 
was hurt because of the I am Spider-Man moment that they did where Mm -hmm. Iron Man, Tony Stark outed Spider-Man's identity. And because he did that, bad guys knew who he was. And because of that, they were going after his loved ones. And it kind of proves that secret identities in the Marvel universe are very, very important because you want to protect those who are close to you. Aunt May gets hurt. She's going to die. And so in exchange for him not having his identity revealed to the world, he also gives up Mary Jane. And so their marriage is erased. The memory of their their relationship is erased. And the world itself forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And there's a big, big fan uproar about it. The idea that uh, Peter would never make a deal with the devil. Peter would never do this. Peter would never give up Mary Jane, all this, this stuff. And yeah. And of course things happen. And so it's, they seem to be riffing on that in the same way that civil war was not a direct adaptation, but was definitely a riff on the civil war comic series that they, that they had. And yeah. And I agree that, Yeah, I agree that the fans were angry about uh, giving up his relationship with Mary Jane for Aunt May because as devastating as losing Uncle Ben was, Peter knows grief and he also knows that sometimes you have to let relatives go. So, well, and that's it's a natural part yeah. of life, but I can understand yeah. the impulse, you know, yeah. of you know, the, that's the stages of grief. One of the stages is is um, bartering, right? Or, or bargaining. You know, you're trying to, bargaining, not bartering. <laughs> bartering, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give you four, uh, four dollars instead of just uh, five, you know. And then, um, but yeah, it it's it makes sense. It kind of works. I mean, honestly, if they were going to get out of the marriage, that, that was the big thing. They just needed to get him out of the marriage because they felt like it was unrelatable, and that the best stories were always the stories where Peter was single. And it just, I disagree at the time Peter had been married longer than he hadn't been. As far as the comics were concerned, as far as the timeline from when issue one of the amazing Spider-Man to that issue, when they did the one more day thing, he had been married since the mid eighties and it actually had been, uh, he'd been married longer than not. And so that was the status quo, you know? And mm-hmm. again, I understand the impulse. I understand trying to get back to a young, fresh Peter Parker, but he wasn't young and he wasn't fresh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he but was still the same age. If that's, <laughs> the, if that's the problem, then just, you know, reboot the series. I well, think, they did that yeah. and that worked too. They did some all ages comics and that worked. They tried to get it. They tried to have their cake and eat it too with the clone saga, which I think is brilliant, brilliant idea. It turns out the Peter Parker that was married to Mary Jane was a clone. And the real Peter Parker was over here. And so it was the perfect idea. Peter Parker, who was single and the same lovable loser as before, 
is the real Peter Parker. He comes in and they meet and everything. And, and, and then Mary Jane realizes I'm married to a clone. And I, so the, all the stuff that happened with Peter Parker and Mary Jane happened. It just was happening to a clone. I think that was perfect. Now, you can have both. And they did for a little while. They had Ben Riley and they had Peter Parker. They were both one was a clone, one wasn't, but then they they backtracked on all of it because fan response was not good. And they backtracked on all of it. Turns out that the guy who they thought was a clone actually wasn't a clone. He was the original. And the other guy that was supposed to be the original, he was actually a clone. They destroyed him. They brought him back. It, I think it was a fantastic idea. If, if all you're trying to do is set up a a situation where Peter Parker from back then never got married, but it's keeps all of those stories. But the fans were upset because basically after the clone saga happened, all of those stories happened to someone who wasn't really Peter Parker. And, And it was really hard to accept. And then it doesn't help that apparently not the ones I read. I did read some of it, but apparently some of them, the storyline just was convoluted and didn't make sense. And so then when they backtracked, it became more convoluted, which even more so mm. got into the legacy there. So, yeah, that's sticky, very sticky situation. Hey, we need to shut this down. So yeah. we really didn't talk much about the trailer, but <laughs> it was a cool trailer. Glad to see it. Oh, Can't wait for December. About the trailer. <laughs> Well, we also talked a lot about other stuff. If you we were to about balance the them out. Lens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we talked so. about how this trailer is relevant to the previous movies. It's so. and it's a trilogy, you know? Yeah. So So hopefully this is not the last we see of Tom Holland, but hey, the multiverse lets them bring in other actors too for yeah. new new versions. So we'll see what what they use with that, but all right. Well, thanks, Samantha, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Samantha, give you the Thank final you. word. Thank you, everybody. And we will talk to you next week.